Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss This. If you're new, double welcome to you. This is our kind of come follow me supplementary podcast video, whatever you want to call it. We are just trying to guide you along and show you all the things that you don't want to miss from our particular little block of scriptures that we study each week. So we're super excited to jump in. Before we do, we want to just let you know we are trying to make our stuff available everywhere that we can on YouTube. It's on podcasts. Um, we have it's a newsletter. Newsletter. We have the Living Scriptures. If you have their subscription, it's on there. Yeah. So if you um, have the Living Scriptures, you can pull the videos up every week there just easily. Just go look for them. You'll find them there. But because we're putting out so much stuff, we decided that we were going to make it easier on everybody. And we created an app. Which has been really <laughs> fun <yeah>. and crazy. <laughs> we're app people now. And so um, we launched this app. And what it does is it will put all of the stuff into one convenient place for you. So in the app, you've got uh, the video that's released each week. You've got the podcast version if you just want to listen in there. The newsletter will come in there also with the teaching tips. We give teaching tips each week for like an idea for younger kids, for teens, and for couples adult groups or, or, yeah, couples adult or groups. something like yeah. that. Um, it will link directly to our blog for any quotes and extra supplementary things that we want to show you in there. So that will all be in there. And it has a fun My Journal spot where there's lots of different ways you can capture stuff that you're learning everywhere. So if you listen um, to other videos or if you're pulling stuff from LDS.org or as you're putting together your lesson, you can capture that by photo, by PDF, um, by video, you can pull in or website link. Yeah, you can put yeah, web or website links in, there links in there that you'll be able to be like, oh yeah, remember when I was studying Genesis? I want all of these things. And then our favorite feature in it is we have this section in it called daily, where every day, um, well, five days a week, there mm-hmm. is a song or a scripture or a quote or a picture or something that comes with a question just to consider throughout that day. Maybe we're kind of thinking it might be the very first thing you do when you wake up to kind of just set the trajectory of your mind and heart for that day and or something maybe, to think about. Yep. Or maybe at night, if that's when you do your family scripture study, you'll you'll pull it out for your scripture study. We want to try and keep those to five minutes. They're going to replace our take five cards. Um, now it's just a little bit more visual than those take five cards were. Yeah. Super excited about that one. So, um, that's the app. We'll have the link in the newsletter. It will also be on, in, on our website. Is that our website? Yep. We'll put it on Instagram. Yep. We'll and you'll have to and... go through the link to get it. Don't go directly to the app store. You've got to follow through the link first. And, um, every purchase includes five users. So your whole family can be on it at the same time. So we're super excited about that. Hopefully it is a great resource and tool for everybody. Yeah. So excited. Okay. Okay. This week. The timeline and the pieces are also in there too. Like everything, everything you need. Because I was like, we're about to do the timeline and it reminded me of that. So here's our timeline. Um, If you're new to this also, you can get this download in the newsletter or on the app and you can just print it out. And we add a little piece to the timeline of the Old Testament as we go through each week so that you can kind of see the flow of the entire Old Testament. And this week, this is our picture. It is from a friend of ours, Eva Timothy, who we had paint um, pictures for us this year of Old Testament scenes. And so this is a, a picture of the creation. And that is where we're going here. So it goes just right in this little spot right here. And what we love about this is it kind of jumps us right into the lesson, which is the creation story is not a story of how the earth was created, but it's a story of who created it and why it was created. And so that is kind of where we're going to go with the creation story. It's going to be such a good one today. We're, we might say that every lesson of the whole Old Testament because <laughs> we love it so yeah, much. Why should we not? And, yeah. and really... 
I think it's good to, to like address that first little, it's your first fill in the blank there because there are a lot of people who will argue about the kind of science versus what the Bible says. And they're, they're just kind of like, wait, it just doesn't seem to line up with what, you know, we can see in, mm. in science and everything. It's like, oh, 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 the writers of Genesis were not giving a science lesson. You can even tell right when you get into it how poetic yeah. and imagistic it is. And it's like, oh, if you miss the point of the creation story, you miss just the whole the whole beauty of it, which is this is a story about who and it's a story about why. And I also think it's a story about relationship. Yes. Right? Yeah, it's so good. And and a, a lot of really important principles are laid out right in the very beginning that are going to help us to know the character of God. And we talked about yeah, that last yeah. week and we're still going to be watching for him to build his character for us, who I am and what you can expect from me before we even get into the Bible, which is important because a lot of times people will say to us, I don't really like the God of the Old Testament. And I feel like he takes a lot of time introducing himself to us. And this is one of the places where he does. And, and I just think it might be one of the best places to introduce like what, who he is like. So if you get caught up in like, how come the, the day four is different from, you know, or yes. whatever, you're just, oh, 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 hold on, hold on. You missed like the picture of God that it is painting, which is so cool. Yeah. This year, we are going to use a lot of different resources to help us teach. And one of our favorite things about the Old Testament is that there are so many scholars who will give us insight about the Old Testament. We have Latter-day Saint scholars, there are Christian scholars, and there are also Jewish scholars who are going to help us try to understand what we're learning. And every week we will pull from different books, different resources that we love, and we will put the quotes all in our blog. So when you go to find them. You don't need to feel like you need to purchase all of these books. We will pull the quotes for you so they'll be right at your fingertips. This week, we are actually going to spend a lot of time in the Torah. And we talked to you about the Torah a little bit last week, but do you want to just give a reminder of the Torah? Yeah. So Christians and Jews and Muslims actually all share a common book of scripture, and that's Old Testament. Um, Particularly Christians and Jews do. We study from the exact same record as our Jewish brothers and sisters do. Um, They would never call it the Old Testament. That's like, might be offensive to a Mm -hmm. Jewish person. But what they call the Torah, the five books of Moses, and then also, then the rest of it come. But the five books of Moses, they call the Torah. So what we would call Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, they call the Torah. And so when they read, and that's their most important five books of what we call the Old Testament. Are, are those right there. And so they read the Hebrew and they have scholars and they have commentaries um, just like Christian scholars do and Latter-day Saint readers do also. And so when we're talking about the Torah, what we're talking about is a translation, a different translation of what you might find. Like we have the King James and you have the ESV and you have the NIV. This is a particular translation of those same, what we call Old Testament records. But this version is cool because it also includes footnotes and commentaries from some of those Jewish rabbis and scholars. And then something called gleanings. And we'll be pulling from those commentaries and the gleanings. But I love how the Torah begins. You remember Genesis 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And I love that the Torah starts out, When God began to create the heaven and and the earth. And I just love that thought when God began to create, because right off the bat, we are introduced to God as a creator, that God is creative. And I love knowing that about his character. Yeah. And then you were going to read those three things. Should we do that right now? Yeah. Let's do those right there. This is super cool. One of the things from the commentary that it wants to teach us are three lessons that we should learn from Genesis. And you might just want to make note of these three lessons. They are really like overarching themes that we will find consistent through the whole Old Testament, but it's introduced right here at the beginning. So first is that God as father or creative force, I love the thought of that, provides all creation with purpose. And so to understand God means to understand your own potential. 
That's the first thing that we need to know. Second, that God is a lawgiver. He validates the principles of justice and righteousness. And he teaches us that those are going to govern the affairs of man, which I also love that thought. And then third, that God guarantees the ultimate goals of existence and enables man to find meaning in his life because of the redeemer. And I love the thought of that, that there's within Genesis, we're going to be introduced to this redeemer that enables, um, but also helps us reach our goals of our creation. So three really good themes we want to be watching for as we study Genesis. And this, these beginning chapters lean heavy into that first one of God being creative and as a creator. And there's something really cool about that. And what, what a rad discussion that you can have about this. I mean, there's something about looking at the world around you and, and just seeing the creative nature of God. I mean, honestly, like it's wild. Some of the things he dreamt up, yeah. you know, oh, yes. remember that card? Yes. <laughs> we found this, this little, like, um, what do you call it? Like a Hallmark card or something like that? Like a, what do you call those? Just a, a, card, a little note, a little yeah, note card, a note or whatever. Card. It was at the Museum of the Bible, and it said on it, um, well, what did it say? I'm really liking this. And then in parentheses, it says, when God was creating dogs, you know, <laughs> like, or I like where this is going. That's what it yeah, was. I, I like, like where, where this, this is, is going. going. And honestly, like y- you can, there, if you remember from the Book of Mormon, um, there is the prophet Alma, and he has a, 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 a man that he meets who's really having a hard time with his belief in God. And Alma points him to the creation. He's like, oh, if you want help with your belief in God, you should actually spend time in creation Mm -hmm. and watch the way everything moves and functions. And it's just like, and that is true. That, that I mean, I can remember one time driving in my car about a year ago. And you ever get to those times when you're like, this, God's real, right? This is not made up, right? Like, but you know, you get to those spots, you're like, wait, I'm not just trying to make myself feel better. And then I stopped at a red light and I looked over at this field and all the grass and trees and everything that were in it. And I was like, yeah, he's real, you know, and I just kept driving, you know, because there's something about it. We're like, yes, I mean, kangaroos. it's just so what magnificent. You know? I know <laughs> when God yeah. said, OK, and you, um, you I'm giving stripes to. And you, I'm going to make bounce. That's going to be fun. And I'm going to give you a little hoodie pouch. And you're going to hold your babies in it. You're going to really like that. And you, dolphins, are going to do these cool flips in the water. Like, everything yes. you see is like, it's cool. Yeah. Like, how creative. And, you know, and, and you find out the purpose of it all. Which, right, right? To give variety and beauty to the earth so that you could enjoy this place that you're mm, going to live. That's and, so good. Um, so when you, um, when you start on day one of creation. It's neat to see like the whole process. Who knows how long it took, but just when you can see the whole thing, like in a, in a really quick, like overview, it starts off day one. And, and, and it says this in verse two, Genesis one, two, the earth was without form and it was void and there was darkness upon the face of the deep, you know? So in this little box, you maybe want to write some of those words down. It's like, Oh, it had, there was almost like it was chaos mm-hmm. and it just was uh, not appealing there was something about it. One of my favorite um, translations of, of the Old Testament, it's, from, it's called The Message. Which it is starts, a, a paraphrased yeah, Bible. Paraphrased so Bible. a man just sat down and paraphrased it in really modern English, and which sometimes makes it helpful to yeah. understand things in a different way. <laughs> this was cool. This you might put in the box too. He says, first this. That's so cute. God created the heavens and earth, all you see and all you don't see. Earth was a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness, an inky blackness. And God's spirit brooded like a bird above the watery abyss. So that's like what it started as, a soup of nothingness, void, without form. And then by the time you get to day seven, and this is what you might want to fill in in that box, is it's whole and it's perfected and it's complete and it's just, it's paradise when it's all said and done. And, and that is the, that's like what it is that you get to watch that God can take something from inky blackness, soup of nothingness, and he can turn it into something Mm. beautiful, whole and complete. That's the, one of the first things we learn about what God 
can do and what God is wanting to do. And, and it's, it's all of our stories. He's just as creative in our stories, in our lives as he is in the earth. I love that we learn from this story that creation was not a one day event, but that it was a process. And we, we wrote that here in the journal. It took place over time. And that's important for us to remember that when God does things, he doesn't just snap his fingers and it's, you kind of want him to be Mary Poppins, you know, yeah. just like clean this up and get rid of this mess and pull this together. You know, he doesn't just snap um, that it, there is going to be a process of progression and increase that we go through with each step building on the last. And that's one of the things that we learn as we go through Genesis this week for our tip in. We're going to go through and just label each of the days and what happened on that day that he starts out. And um, there's light and dark and a difference between day and night. And that's where it begins. It's just with light infusing into this dark place. And the same is true in our life. That's what's going to happen. And it's neat that it's like, like you're saying, it's, it's not done. Yeah. Right? You're like, where's the trees? Yeah. And he's like, like oh, I'm not finished. Yeah, I'm not finished. Yeah. But could you just enjoy what I have done yes. so far? You know? And um, one of the things that we love to look through and see, and we've left you a little space here that's going to take you through Genesis in verse 4 and 10 and 12 and 18 and 21 and 25, where at each step, God looks at what had happened and then he says, okay, it is good. And then he moves to the next. And there's a really important concept that we learned from this. Last year, I was studying this in great detail. And I actually sat down and just started typing out some of my thoughts. And we have never done this before. But I'm just going to read you this little portion that um, ended up in the grace book that I have coming out in the spring. So that's where you're going to be able to find it is it is coming soon. But we'll put this little part of that in our blog. But I love when it starts out in the beginning, God created from the void, from the place without form out of the inky darkness, God moved and through a process of progression, the earth was made. Day one brought light out of darkness. Next came the separation of earth from heaven. On the third day, water and dry land appeared along with grasses, herbs and fruit trees. Day four brought forth lights for signs, seasons, days, and years. We see the sun, the moon, the stars, and we remember. On day five, the waters brought forth abundantly, great wells and fish, all living creatures that moved. But this was not all. He also imagined into reality bright colored birds to fly above the earth. Day six brought forth the living creatures on the land, including everything that creepeth. The creation was a process of progression. Each day's new gift introduced because of the preparation of the day before. One building upon the other, line upon line, precept upon precept. In Genesis, we discover a godly pattern for growth and for becoming and for progression. Within the beautiful imagery of the creation, in the midst of every step, there is an oft-repeated phrase. We see it for the first time after day one. And God saw the light, that it was good. It's there again on day three, after the waters and land were separated. God saw that it was good. Four more times within the process, scripture records a similar phrase, and God saw that it was good. It is my nature to wait until the process is completed, until the work is finished to evaluate whether or not my work is good. It's always in the end that I step back to evaluate the finished work and determine its worth, but not God. He saw the goodness in every step of the progression. He spoke it out loud on day one and twice on day three. And again, there on day four, from the story of creation, we learn that our father is just as interested in the day-to-day -day progress as he is in the finished product. I think sometimes we forget that is true. We wonder if we are enough if we are falling, if we are failing, we become discouraged, we doubt, we consider giving up. We must remember that God never expected the results of day six on day two. On day two, he was thrilled with the results of day two. He declared it very good. 
Why do we put the pressure on ourselves to become complete today instead of embracing the idea of progression? A little at a time, every day better. Grace for grace. What if exaltation is all about progression? Our God knows about line upon line. He sees where you have come from. He knows what you had to do to simply get through this day. If he were to whisper down from heaven tonight as you drift off to sleep, do you know what I think he would tell you? You are already good. Hmm. It's such an important concept just to remember that he is a God of day by day. Yeah. And I mean, I want to print that up for all my kids just to help them remember like, because I don't see that as a, as a father when I look at them, but it's mm. just like, I think it's one of the most beautiful concepts and one of the greatest looks into the heart of God for him to say, it is not finished yet, but it is still good. I have work yet to do, but I'm still thrilled with, with where you are. Mm. I, I just think it's beautiful. Now there's this other verse on the side of that that we want to look at and we have kind of a funny history with it <laughs> because we were talking about what verses we wanted to look at in here and Emily said this is one's one of my favorite ones and I read it and I was like no that's not a favorite of anybody's on the earth um, it's in Abraham so the Abraham version <laughs> of the creation Genesis um, what, Genesis 1 and 2 Moses 2 and 3 Abraham 4 and 5 are super similar to each other so that's why we're going to jump back and forth between all of them but in Abraham 1, in verse 18, this is what it says. It says, and you can fill this blank in. Um, and the gods watched those things which they had ordered until they obeyed. And Emily was like, I love that verse so much. And I was like, no, I don't love it at all. I, why do you want to <laughs> like that one? Because in my mind, I imagined a God with his arms folded, scowling and watching until they obeyed. You know, almost like a, you remember when, well, this happened to me on the daily uh, when a teacher would like stop teaching and look in the back at me. And she was like, uh, Mr. Butler, uh, I'll continue when you're finished. You know, and I was <laughs> I always totally like, I totally hear uh, <laughs> every one of your teachers. Saying that. And I was always like, one time I really was bratty and I was like, okay, I'll let you know when I'm finished, <laughs> you know, but listen, don't, I don't, I don't condone that behavior, but that's mm. like, you can almost like, picture God like that. And sometimes he's painted that way and presented that way where he's just like this angry, petty, I'm keeping score. I've got a tally pad out ready for every time you trip up a mistake. I'm just going to make note of it. And I'm going to watch here and I'm not moving from this spot until you obey, you know, and, and it's really easy to read a verse like that and picture that kind of God. So that's why I was like, that is not a good verse. Until she told me this story. <laughs> okay, here's where I fell in love with this verse. I was sitting at the homecoming of a man and a woman who had served as mission presidents in, I think, Bolivia. And I actually think they were temple presidents. I can't remember. But anyways, it was their homecoming. And they had been there serving and they were in this house and um, she was going to make cookies. And she talked about how she started making these cookies. And this is a really wise woman who is like not crazy. Her teacher didn't look at her in the classroom and wait until <laughs> she was finished talking. She like is a really brilliant, wise woman. And she was going to make these cookies for the missionaries. And she you got just called me non-brilliant and non-wise for the record. You can be brilliant and wise Thank also okay. with a little bit of... <laughs> Spunk. Spontaneity. God's creative. He made, like he, li he likes <laughs> okay. how he made me. Yes, he, he does. He made kangaroos and, and women like David that. David Butler. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so she decided she was going to make cookies and she started making the cookies and then she kept having these really crazy thoughts like you should take off your shoe and put it in the cookies, which is like not a normal thought. And <laughs> when she was thinking it, she was like, this does not make sense. And then the spirit would say to her, you need to walk outside. And so she would, because she is someone who listens to the spirit. She would walk outside and she'd sit out there for a minute. And then she'd be like, oh my, I am making cookies for the, I got to go back into the cookies. And so she would go in and start. And after a little time as she was doing, another really odd thought would come that she should do. And she would think about it for a minute. And then she would be like, this is, feels weird. Mm -hmm. And then the spirit would say again, go out to the front yard. And so she would follow the spirit and go out to the front yard and sit out there for a minute. And then 
Um, this happened several times. And then when she was outside one time, she was like, I think there's something wrong in the kitchen. And so two of the missionaries came over and found out there was a gas leak actually coming from the oven. And there was so much gas in the home mm. that it was actually altering how, how she was thinking yeah. about things. And so they came in and they fixed the gas and everything. But that night... I forgot about that part. She it kind of surprised me when I know the story. I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's why it was happening. And so that night when she was going to bed, she was in Abraham 4 and she read this verse, 18. And the gods watched those things which they had ordered until they obeyed. And she talked about how she had learned and had such a testimony that God cares so much about us that he will watch over, he will caretake over everything that we're doing, even making cookies in the kitchen. And he will use what is at his fingertips to help us obey in an effort to keep us safe and protected and, and from harm in all the ways that he can. And I love the thought of a God who is just so carefully watching over us, guarding over us. And when we think about that word obey, to realize that it is a word that means he'll lead us to a place of safety mm. and to a place of progression and of increase, that he's not going to leave us in a place of darkness or void or a place that is not healthy for us. He will not leave us there. It is his nature. It is his character to move us to a place that is better. And it's interesting that the, the order of that is, well, it's funny I said order because when it says those things which they had ordered, when I first read it, that sounded like a general term, like in the, in the army, instead of like, oh, the things he had put in place mm. that he'd ordered in place, not that he'd ordered, right? But it's interesting that the, that the order <laughs> of those words is he watched over it until they obeyed, instead of because they obeyed, he watched over them. Oh, that's so that good. He was just like, I am just going to wait and I can be patient until you trust me enough. And it's to, okay if you don't do it right the first right, time. If it right. takes two or three or four times, I will still watch over you until you are there. safe. Right. And so, and, and even that whole idea of, of like the whole process of creation, where you're just like, I'm just watching over the whole thing mm. until it's, it's finished. And this kind of, we want to introduce right here, one of the ways that we approach the study of the Old Testament, particularly um, for verses like that, that can make you assume something wrong about God or that he's vengeful or um, petty or whatever. There's a lot of verses that can be misinterpreted in the Old Testament like that. So we just have this rule of thumb as we read the Old Testament. And, it, and it's just simply this. Yeah, three words. Yeah. Assume the best. Assume that that's a great way to just live life, by the way. But particularly when you approach the heart and character of God and you see some things in there that are unsettling, we want your first step to be, oh, let me assume the best about God, that he's not these other things, but that he is good and he's watchful and he's tender and, and careful. And mm. we just want you to look for the character of God in Scripture the one that you we the one that you know and just and just take that approach as you look through assume that he is good and and there is something about the creation story that like puts an exclamation point on that because we have this you know when you read this story what you are reading is a god who gave gifts 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 right to mankind. Like the whole story is the story of a gift giver who is doing all of this work mm. and all of this creative process as a gift for Adam and Eve. They're not even on the scene yet. He's already done all this preparatory work. You know, he's going to say, it's, it's all for you. I'm, I'm this ultimate gift giver, you know, and it really is that story of like you read in there, like grace upon grace, where he's just mm. like, I'm just going to keep on giving and keep on being part of it. And it's neat that the creation story like, emphasizes that, that about yep. his character. And you might want to push pause right here for a minute and go back now and read those Genesis chapters, Genesis 1 um, and, and a little bit into 2 and watch for what were the gifts 
And where do you see those lines where it says, and he saw that it was good and take time to mark those throughout your scriptures. Cause that's what you're going to find in this first part. And, and that's our word of the week, by the way, is that good. Yeah. You know, that he sees that. And, and the Hebrew of that, if you have these, the, the posters, but I'll just read it to you. It says, um, the Hebrew of it is, is a word tov and it's good in the widest sense. Don't you think that's so awesome? Mm-hmm. It's like, there's a liberal approach yeah. to what is good here. A good thing, something beautiful, something best, something better, something bountiful, something that is in favor or something that is to make glad. And, and that is all of those My are apologies. all, oh, Siri, I couldn't hear what you said. she Sorry, really wanted to be a part of the lesson and you can't, you're not, this is two people only. Um, so when you see that word good, when he says it's good, it's all of those words all put together. I love that so much. And the last gift he gives is this day of rest. Uh, we call it the Sabbath. And I love what we read in these gleanings about that Sabbath day, it says this, whatever the origins in Genesis, the day becomes the divine seal of creation. And while it is not yet called the Sabbath, its significance is unmistakable. It is built into the very structure of the universe. It is God's holy time. I love that line so much. It is God's holy time. And Israel in ages to come will be called upon to make it the center of its existence, the mark of its covenant with God, a memorial of the work of creation and the constant renewal of creation. And I love that thought as we think about the Sabbath and that's something we might talk about in our homes is, is the Sabbath, do we allow it to be God's holy time? And, and for us, does it become a place of rest and renewal of creation. And I have found that is so true in my life. If I can give myself a Sabbath, a day of just saying no to everything and resting, that my creativity is more greatly enabled because I've had that little rest. Some Jewish writers actually, I read once said that that is the day once a week when paupers become princes and princesses again, that they get to go back into the Garden of Eden, mm-hmm. into the story of creation, and to remember how good God is and how, uh, how overly abundantly he, he gifted them and to let it be that like recentering in mm-hmm. relationship with him. Like the, our relationship with God goes like this. God says, I will give, 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 give so that you can rest right? Sometimes we'll read the creation story like this. If you work, 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 Mm. work, then you can finally rest. But mankind actually shows up on the eve of the Sabbath, right? And God's done all this work so that they can enter into rest, Mm. you know? And it's like, I got to just remember that's who he is and that's our relationship. That's so good. So with everything that we see in the creation story that was good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. We get to a verse in Genesis chapter 2 where God says something is not good. And when you get into that verse, um, chapter 2, verse 18, he says, it is not good for man to be alone. So that's what you want to put in the box right there. That is just like all this other stuff is good. But let me explain something that is not good. I do not want people to be alone particularly this man, Adam, that's been created first. Um, And so that is where then we get into the story of the creation of woman, the creation of Eve. Mm. And as he's talking about the creation of people, so we have all these other things that he's created, the fish and the grass and the trees, but there seems to be a very particular creation, and that's the creation of humans, right? And there is this verse in Genesis 1.26 that says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And there's something that we kind of want to lean into with um, not just this particular creation of of people, but those plural words that are used in Genesis and Moses and Abraham. Um, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And then right next to it, fill in the blank here, the image of God, he says, male and female created I them. And he seems to connect right there the concept of the the image of God equals male and female together. 
Which I love the thought of that. Um, we learn that God is actually masculine and feminine. That word God is masculine and feminine. So whenever I say the word God, I always think of Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother as, as this really tight connection that is this male and female created he, them. And, and I see there this whisper of Heavenly Mother, but I also start seeing through this um, creation of Eve, the importance of women in God's plan. And that's something we want to talk about for just a little bit. We're going to read in there as we go through that, um, this creation part of Eve. And I just want to go to that part for a minute. And I need to, you might need to help me find it. Do you want to talk about this first? No, no. Yes. I want to go there. Second, but where is that one part where it talks about when Eve was created and Adam slept? I Um, meant to mark it and then I forgot. Genesis 126, maybe? Um, No. My thing just froze my scriptures. Well, that is not going to help us. Oh, now it's back on okay, again. Okay, let's see. And he made two great lights, waters. Oh, God 18. Bless Sorry, 218. It's in yeah. chapter 2. Okay. So this is what happens. And I want you to, um, there's parts of this that are so interesting. So um, he says, the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone, for I will make an help meet for him. And we're going to talk about that word help meet in just a minute. And then come to 22. Um, and or then, 21, excuse me. So he um, creates Adam. And Adam is going to name all the creatures and he gave names to everything. And then in verse 21, something important happens. It says, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman and brought her unto the man. I love what we learn in these gleanings of the Torah from that part of scripture. And I, I think it's important to just ponder this for a minute. It says this, man has no part in making woman. He exercises no control over her existence. He is neither participant nor spectator, nor consultant at her birth. Like man, woman owes her life solely to God. To claim that the rib means inferiority or subordination is to assign the man qualities over the woman, which are not in the narrative itself. And I loved reading that and thinking that just as God had had that intimate moment creating Adam, and and I want to say God as just as Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother had that moment of creating Adam, the same was true for creating Eve, that that was a process that was just her own process mm-hmm. and who she became. Um, she became because of a father and mother, the, the gods who created all things in their likeness, both a man and a woman. And I love the beauty of that when we see that there. And I think it's important for us to acknowledge and to really think about what is the role of women in God's plan and what do we learn from Genesis about the role of women in God's plan? So let's go to, well, let's go to that picture now. So just thinking oh, yeah. over that, um, we found this picture that we love because Heavenly Mother is not mentioned very much in any of the writings of religion. We have her mentioned in Oh, um, oh My Father in the hymn book. And we see the hint of her right here. If we read between the lines, we are going to see the hint of her there. The family proclamation. We've got the sermons of Joseph in Nauvoo. So we've got also. one of my favorite parts of belonging to the, jer- the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is that our doctrine actually believes and states that we have a mother in heaven And oftentimes we talk about the, why do we not hear more about her? And a couple months ago, I came across this picture and in my mind, I was like, this is exactly how Heavenly Mother is pictured in my mind. And we are going to put this um, in, we'll put it up on our Instagram and it will be in the app, but we'll also show it to you here. Um, This picture, I love that you see the hint of her, that she is veiled 
just as the father is, but we see the hint of her. And the reason why I love it so much is because I actually see the hint of her everywhere in my life. And I see the hint of her everywhere in God's story, in scripture. I can see the hint of her there because I'm looking for her there. And something I love about this painting also is that it almost seems like she's just at the window. Mm. You know, it's just like that there is a veil, but she's going to stand as close to it as possible. You know, like there's purpose in a veil, but that she's like, I'm going to be so close to it that you can uh, sense that that I'm there. And you just want to put this in your scriptures, right? By that Abraham uh, verse that says, and the gods. Yeah. I love that yes. it's gods. Yes. And the gods yes. watched over those things they had ordered until they obeyed. Like the thought of her watching just as carefully as the father does and and helping is just part of who I believe Heavenly Mother is. And I, I love the hint of that, that belonging to this church gives us the hint of that feminine divinity. And, and we have a theology that, that says that that term God means two, right? That it means both of them together. And so anytime this whole year as you're reading about God, and if someone says God, you should just make that same assumption that it's just like it means the both of them. They're together in this. Mm, I love that so much. Like as, as whatever you know about God the Father, you know about God the Mother. Like you, you know, they have equal character and beauty and goodness and and grace and power. And it just you just would mm. and bring them together. Which is going to make you love this word "help me" even more. Having that kind of as a background understanding. Yeah. So the, he says in Genesis one twenty six, I need a, a help meet for this man. And that is not a very elegant um, word. <laughs> like, I, I don't think I'll ever, ever introduce Jenny as my help meet. Like it just wouldn't sound <laughs> complimentary. It's like, hi, I'm David. Good to meet you. This is my help meet. Um, Jenny. Jenny, you know, it would just be like, it, it's, it's kind of has a patronizing tone. It has like a yeah. In our cul- Yeah. In yeah. our culture, right. it, the phrase does not represent what it might have in Hebrew. So the Hebrew for it is, a, is this word Ezer Konegdo. And the definition of Ezer Konegdo is best day. And you can put this in this little box next to help, next to help me or in your scriptures here, a complementary opposite. So um, I'm just going to read this from the the devotional book. It's easier. Um, Help meet. Okay. Does not have much elegance to it, but it's actually a beautiful title fitting for someone like Eve. The original Hebrew phrase, Ezra Konegdo, could be translated a complementary opposite. Adam and Eve would certainly be different and almost opposite in many ways, but their differences would be complementary. As an illustration, the right hand can be seen as the Ezra Konegdo of the left hand. They are opposite of each other, but working together, they are stronger. The left wing of a plane, likewise, is the Ezra Konegdo of the right. Like hands, they are different in form, but equal in purpose and power and better together. In fact, it would not be good for a left wing to be left alone. That's so true. So, <laughs> you would spiral to the earth. I don't want to get on that plane. Death. Yes. Um, and so that phrase, help me, is actually this really beautiful word that means, yes, you will be different from each other, but your differences will complement each other for the better. And so there is that imagery of, I'm going to pull her from his rib. And obviously she's not made from a rib. One time someone told me growing up, men actually have one less rib. And I was like, you know no things, right? That is not true. And I remember reading this thing on my grandma's fridge that she'd cut out of like a magazine or a newspaper that said, woman was taken from man's rib, not from his head to rule over from him or from his foot bone to be crushed by him, but from his side to be equal to him, to walk side by side with him and to be protected and loved nearest to his heart. And that imagery of a rib is trying to teach us like, oh, this is what the relationship with them should look like. This is how they will be together and walk together throughout 
their journey on this earth. Mm, that's so beautiful. I love that what happens in Genesis 2, verse 23, um, Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And then he says this line, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And I want to think about that word woman for a minute because it actually shows up in several really important places in God's plan. And we've listed some of those in um, right here below on the bottom right of your page. So we're going to be introduced to that word for the very first time in Genesis 2, 23, when she is going to be called woman. And you can go in there and talk about that. It, it just means part of man and stay in that place. But one day I did a search to think about what does that word woman mean and what would we learn from it? And all of a sudden I found it in some really significant parts of the story of God. And so let me tell you a couple other places where this is mentioned. And then let's think of the significance of a woman's role in God's plan. So we find it again in Luke 1, 28 first, when Eve, or when Mary, the mother of Jesus, when the angel comes and she finds out that her name will be blessed among women. And he says to her woman, that's what he calls her, that her name would be blessed among women. Second in John 2, 4 is the very first miracle Christ performs on the earth. And it's at that wedding when there's no wine. And he calls Mary again, their woman. And he he asks her in essence, what do you need me to do is what he says to her. What do you need me to do right now? And you see this title of respect in that moment that he says to her, my hour is not yet come, but you can tell because he, he loves Mary. Mary is his mother. He has respect for Mary. I love when he says to her, but what do you need me to do? Mm -hmm. And that becomes the first miracle that happens. We see that term used again in John chapter four with the woman at the well. And one of my favorite verses in verse 21, he just says this phrase, woman, believe me. And then they are going to enter into that conversation that becomes such a crucial conversation in scripture because it will be the first time that we have recorded that Jesus verbally tells anyone that he is the Messiah. That's who he is. So that's a really significant moment in scripture. And we see it again in John 20, verse 15, um, when Jesus, after being resurrected, says to Mary, who will become the first witness of the re resurrected Lord, a woman. And he says to her, woman, why weepest thou? I love that these women who are such an integral part of the plan of salvation, right? You have Eve at the beginning. You have Mary, the mother of Jesus. You have the woman at the well who becomes the first witness of him declaring yeah. he's the Messiah. And you have Mary who becomes the first witness that he has risen from the dead. And I love that the word woman is used in every one of those critical moments of our testimony, of our belief that women were the ones God used to become the witnesses of his plan on the earth, of, of the savior on the earth. And I love the thought of those women becoming the witness of Christ. And I think we're doing really good at it, but it's telling that the commentary inside that the Torah was pushing back against you know, I kind of had that yeah. tone of we're pushing back against any of you who think the rib means lower than or or s subservient to or anything mm. like that, you know. And so it's interesting that even there, there's like a, we can yeah. sense that, which I don't know, it, it seems funny that there would be, because it's just kind of natural to know that. What a, You know, President Hinckley said um, that one time, then came God's crowning creation. Yes, I love and that. And it was after the creation of woman that he declared it. Very good. And, you know, sometimes you've got men who don't understand that, but usually they do. Because I, um, I was teaching a young women's class one time, and I asked them all, what's God's crowning creation? What's his most beautiful, like the one he's most proud of? And they were like the butterflies, the, you know, I don't know, all the things. And I was like, 
No. And I took a field trip. And I was like, girls, come with me. And we walked over to where the priests were meeting in the bishop's office. And I knocked on the door, opened it, and I said, boys, I have a question for you. What's God's best creation? Immediately, three of them were like, girls. And I was like, see, why do they understand this quicker than you do? You know, but it's just, it's important to push back on that and to just see like both created intimately, both with individual and maybe opposite purposes, but but better together. Mm. And, and the story of Genesis, this creation narrative, seems to kind of show that. You've got this phrase that we've used one way before, which is, let, let us create them in our image. And we use that verse to sometimes say, oh yes, we look like them. We have potential to become like them, which is true. But ancient people who wrote this text would have heard that word image differently. They would have thought immediately of a, of a statue. You know, if you ever seen the movie Hercules and Hercules goes into the temple of Zeus, you would say that's an image of, of Zeus. Or if you go to like the Abraham Lincoln Memorial, we were just there a mm-hmm. couple weeks ago. Like we walked up to it and I can't remember who said it. One of us turned to someone else and said, oh, there's Abraham Lincoln. And it's not really Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> Just so you know, it's not really him. He's dead and buried in the ground, you know, but like you look at it and you think, oh, that's when I look at that image, I think of Abraham Lincoln. So when God gives that particular commission to man and woman Mm -hmm. together, he says, I want you to be my image bearers in this world. When people see you, I want them to think of me. I want you to carry out what I would carry out and say what I would say. And, and it gives them words like this in verse 28. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish, make better. Like that is the, my kind of work. And it's the kind of work that I'm commissioning you to do in this world. I want you to be the representation of me on this earth. And I love that, that yeah. line in it's there so that was fun. so good. In the Torah, it talks about because this will end up being the very first commandment. That's the first commandment. And it might be fun to read it just exactly how it is in there. And God blessed them and said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And I love that um, this is what the Torah says. It is a blessing. So it's interesting that they first want you to know this was a blessing, right? Just like you were talking about, this was a gift. This ability to be fruitful and multiply, that's a blessing. But Jewish tradition considers this to be the first of the Torah's 613 commandments. So in, in, this also becomes, yeah, was there something else yeah, you loved in here? Yeah, that one line that was so good was on page 22. It might have been. Because it was so good about, oh, no. It was this? Yes, that's so good. Okay. Creation is never called perfect. It will, in fact, be man's task to assist the creator in perfecting his creation to become his co-worker. And we love the thought of that, that in this creation, it's not solely up to us. Just the same as it's not solely up to him, but there is this co-creation process of progression that we started at the very first talking about, right? We talked about coming from this inky void, um, soup of nothingness. Yeah. And, and entering into partnership with him, um, Adam and God and Eve and God and by God working with the father and the mother to eventually become Complete, And we love that in Abraham 4, 28, this one line that says, um, it says, and the God said, so we, we're coming out, let's come off of 27. So the gods went down to organize man in their own image, in the image of the gods to form them, they, him, male and female to form they, them. And, and so you see the hint of that again, that this thought of those gods yeah. being male and female. And the God said, we will bless them. And I love the thought of that, that God didn't just create and say, it is good. 
But there was this thought of being in participation with them in that um, creation process and blessing them along the way. And that thought of that every night you could lay down and God would say to you, you are good and I will bless you. And that we can bank on those promises of God. There are such beautiful promises of God that we see in these chapters. And we're going to keep also on the app, an ongoing list of these promises to covenant Israel. And we'll always talk about them at the end of the lesson. So if you want to be keeping on your page, um, the promises to covenant Israel, you'll be able to go through and grab some of these catchphrases. And we want to allow you the opportunity to actually get in the reading and find them. So we're not going to put the verses by them, but as you get in and you start looking that way, you might come across some that we may have missed in our reading, but these are some of the promises you might want to watch for. I will watch over you. I will bless you. I will make you in my image. I will give you everything on the earth. I will see the good in you. I will finish you. I will give you a Sabbath or a rest within everything that you're doing. I will provide and help meet. And I love when you said earlier, I will help you multiply and be fruitful. These are just some of the promises to covenant Israel that are mentioned throughout uh, Genesis, Moses and Abraham. You're going to find them in all of those places. But as we think about those, and as we were talking about them, we love down here at the bottom until, and then we're going to take you to Genesis 2, Three. Um, do you have that? Yeah. And this is a verse that talks about the seventh day of the earth, right? Where it's like, and he blessed that seventh day and sanctified it um, because that in it, he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. And it's talking about the earth, but it really teaches us about what his purposes are with us. That he was just like, it is this process and I am going to, I'm going to create it. And I'm going to make it to become, reach its fullest potential. Mm. That he's like, I, we're, we're going to be a partnership in this. And why wouldn't you want to be a partner with God after mm. reading this chapter? Yes. When you see everything that he did, and then next he's going to say, will you enter into a relationship with me? You're like, absolutely, I yes. will. Yes. Oh, after I love that so much. After all you've given, of course I'm going to do that. And... Do you love that right here, the very beginning, he gives us almost the puzzle box picture, the end game, a snapshot of this is, this is where I'm taking you mm-hmm. to be. Those are royal words to rule and reign, to multiply, to watch over, to replenish. He was like, on this very first page of the Bible, can I give you a picture of what I hope your end potential can eventually Oh, I be? love that so much. And I think... You think of the great creators in our lifetime. You know, you just, you look at some of these and everyone's going to say their own according to what you are fascinated by. And I'm not going to name all of them, but you, in music, you might think of, or in filmmaking, you might think of, or whatever you are drawn to. Um, For me, Walt Disney, in my mind, is one of the greatest creatives of our time here on the earth that I just love that his mind was like, what I'm going to create will be a give and it will bring happiness. And when you walk down main street, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but in California, when you walk down main street and you look up at the windows on the buildings, people who worked with Walt are on the windows Mm. and their title is the magic makers. That's what you, when you read on the thing, it will say, this is their name and this is what they did. And they were one of the magic makers. And I just love the thought of that. When we think of this creative process that we are going to enter into this process of creating beauty and happiness and joy, that's what we're trying to create. And that we get to do it with the greatest creative of all time. Mm. And we get to be one of his magic makers. Mm. We get to be part of that process. When we were in Washington, DC, we found this quote that we both love. And it's a quote that Spencer W. Kimball used in one of his talks, but it just talked about make no small plans. They have no magic to stir 
men's souls. And when we enter into that process, we are entering into relationship with someone who does not make small plans. And I love the thought of that. And particularly with you, as you begin this study and you think about that relationship with God, he would say, I have no small pan. I have no small plans for you, mm-hmm. for what I'm going to turn you into and, and help you to become. And when you were saying that part about Disney, remember how you learned with that one magic man who went with you that the light's always on? Yes. Like in Disney's it, it, yeah. apartment. And, and at the end, if you walk out where you see the firehouse, there is a little apartment up on top and there's a window and it has the little drapes on the side. And in the window, a lamp is always on. Because it's the window where Walt would watch people walk into the park and he just wanted to see that anticipation and joy and happiness of families as they walked into the park. That's the, that's the story behind that lamp. And so if you go to Disneyland, make sure you stop there and just look up there. And it, it reminds us of, you know, well, the, that, that painting that we showed yeah. of Heavenly Mother at the window. And don't yeah. you just like think of both of them? Not only watching over, you know, but also very, very involved in, in what is happening. You know, the light is always on. Yeah, so, so good. Okay, you guys, do you love the Old Testament yet? <laughs> we hope you do. This is page one. Yes, and it's so, so good, good already. Okay, we'll see you, see you next, next week. week. Jinx. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.